This is the final whistle on Ocean FM tonight. Summerhill College come from nine points down to beat Ballinrobe by two and reach the Connor College's Senior A Football Championship final. We'll take you to Bacon for the story of the comeback and the reaction. St. Attractors of Tubba Curry are getting ready for an All-Ireland School Senior Girls Soccer Final and they found out today their opponents will be from neighbouring Donegal. Skullwira Bunkrana won their semi by a goal to nil. The match winner was a free kick from the edge of the centre circle scored by new Sligo Rovers recruit Jodie Lockery. We'll hear from her. Plus an interview with Sligo's latest GAA President's Award inductee for 2023. She collects her gong live on TG Cahir tomorrow night. Welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan. We're on 083 3500 530 by WhatsApp and text. Sport at oceanfm.ie is the email address. And we're on Twitter at OceanFM Sport. But if you're travelling down the N4 home from Bacon this evening and we're at a college's Gaelic football match at the Connachia Centre of Excellence, it sounds like you saw a cracker. Summerhill were in all sorts of trouble in their Connacht College. Senior A semi-final this evening against Ballinrobe Community School but the ending from a Sligo point of view was a happy one. The story of the game comes from our reporter Kevin Egan. Greater power and depth of Summerhill College came to the fore in a dramatic Connick School Senior A semi-final at Beacon tonight as the Sligo side used the wind at their backs in the second half to gradually chip away at the nine-point lead that Ballinrobe Community School had built up against them. The St Mary's club duo of Eli, Roo- Eli Rooney and Ronan Nyland ran riot for Mark Brehany's side as they eventually squeaked over the line by one goal and 12 points to two goals and seven points, setting up a Connacht final clash with Claude de Valleclore on next weekend. It was a young Ballinrobe team with four starters that are eligible for minor football in, 20, in 2023 and they scored some incredible points in the first half with Mayo minor stars Tom Lydon, Jack Keane and Tiernan Egan all chipping in with incredible scores from distance. Summerhill really gave themselves a lot of work to do when a couple of errors led to goals for Tom Lydon and corner forward Owen O'Halloran and that pushed the lead out 2-6 to a goal and three points. However, an absolutely crucial goal coming up to half-time, wonderful interplay, eventually led to Ronan Nyland crashing the ball to the net. Paul O'Brien with the fantastic run and assist set up what proved to be an absolutely vital goal. In the second half, even though they had the wind at their backs, it was strong running through the middle that was absolutely vital for Summerhill. They overpowered the younger Ballinrobe side with some really good direct running and opening up the defence at will. They were creating frees. Six of the 12 points they scored came from dead ball opportunities. But Nyland and Eli Rooney were also very, very sharp from open play when they got the chance. Midfielder Dylan Walsh was the man who gave them the lead score with approximately five minutes to play. Ballinrobe continued to press, but they couldn't quite get on terms. They got back to with the Snore Hill led by two. Ballinrobe got it back to within a point, but an absolutely stunning final score in the final minute from Eli Rooney rounded off the scoring at Summerhill College, one goal and 12 points. Ballinrobe Community School two goals and seven points. Did I say the N4? I meant, of course, the N17. Good job I wasn't driving the Summerhill team bus tonight. Let's hear from the Summerhill College manager, former Sligo footballer Mark Brehenny. He's been talking in the last while to our reporter Kevin Egan. Your thoughts at the end of the game? Look, it's fantastic to win any Connacht Championship match, but to win in that fashion, coming from nine points behind, it doesn't get much better than that, now. 
Yeah, not good for the heart. Um, it was it was uh, it was a real spirited second half performance. Very disappointed with our first half. We didn't really play for the majority of that that first half. Um, thankfully, the last two minutes of, of the first half, we got the, we got the goal right on the stroke of half time, and uh, that just gave us the impetus to, to push on the second half. But um, yeah, in, in fairness to them, I think a lot of games like that happened. There was a quarter final, or uh, sorry, a, a round robin game that we had, very similar to this, where we were I think seven points down against St Jersey, and we came back and similar to Clare Galway last day as well so um, good second half but I think we have to do a lot of, lot of work on, on our first half performances and hopefully that'll that'll help coming into a, to a tough corner final How much of it was the breeze because like it does feel fresh enough and like I, I look in particular Ballon Robe kicked some superb points in the first half but they were kicking from 45-40 metres out which wasn't an option in the second like you know the wind obviously was a huge part of it too It was yeah but so the old saying goes the wind will never win you, win, win you a game and, and we probably should have ran more in, in the second half uh, or sorry in the first half against mm. that breeze and I just thought our energy levels were down and normally we would have been able to run more but, but certainly as you say they were able to kick points um, a lot easier in that first half um, we look at it from the flip side of that we just didn't put enough pressure on, on the kickers as well so I think we have to look at that as well but overall you know, I just couldn't uh, compliment them enough the way they, they, they kept working hard and, and kept going and, and, and uh, the resilience, as I said, within the squad is, is exceptional. So hopefully that'll, that'll bode well for the final. Yeah, did you get... The, I, I know you wouldn't have admitted at the time. I mean, did you get a chance to look at the Clare Galway against um, Clare Morris game or any thoughts on that? I, I, I got to it. I, I, luckily, I, I got to it, all right. And um, just, just hopefully in preparation for it, if we were there... We weren't certainly counting our chickens, but uh, yeah, no, both very, very good sides. So mm-hmm. as the game was going, I, I was kind of hard to know which which way I was, I was looking to maybe potentially play. But um, yeah, clear goal. We played them already, so it should be another cracker. Mark Brehany, the Summerhill College manager. Great way to win a game, horrible way to lose it. Let's hear from the Ballon Road Bonister, Damien Egan. He spoke to reporters after the final whistle. First half, we've probably maxed out a little bit. In fairness, the goal just before half time was a killer. We're probably the better team uh, for the 30 minutes. Like losing the game by one, uh, that goal against the runner play. But fairness, like we're a balance in the squad the last couple of months, and you probably saw it there in the second half with lads with injuries, Knox, like the Germans, uh, Oshin Joyce, our main lads, uh, trying to balance some uh, being on the field and uh, you know carrying knock so as you can see there near the end uh, we probably ran out of juice and in fairness as we dropped off some of his powerful runners came into force and you know it was always inevitable there in the second half that um you know, the, the Summerhill lads, as I said, they were powerful lads. And as I said, we uh, physically just probably dipped a little bit and, um, you know, we couldn't get back up, back on top. But, um, you know, in fairness to our lads, uh, some of our best players, Connor Jennings, young lad, under 17, Tiernan Egan, young lad, under 17, Tom Lydon. You know, the future is still bright for, for, for Ballon Road. A good know? season though, Damien. I mean, losing an A semi-final by a point, it's it's a good season though. Oh, well, it's overall progression. Yeah. Like, eight years ago, the school has been C, uh, senior football. So, like, you know, in, in the first half there is evidence that the talent is in the school um, but as I said just uh, there was an avalanche there of issues in the second half we just couldn't hold on And um, but over, over, overall in terms of developing these lads into good adult footballers um, you know it's, it's, it's been a good one overall yeah. Damien Egan of Ballinrobe Community School heartbreaking for them but Summerhill College into the Connacht College's Senior Gaelic Football Final after that 1-12 to 2-7 victory in Bacon this evening and remember they were nine points behind at one stage in that game and the Summerhill College boys soccer under 17 team have also reached a Connacht final they won their semi today
Lots more to come on the programme. We're going to hear from Sacred Heart Bunkrana, who have qualified for the All-Ireland Colleges Soccer Senior Girls Final. They'll play against uh, St. Attractors of Tubba Curry on the 22nd of this month. We'll hear from Sligo's latest GAA President's Award recipient who receive her award at a special televised ceremony tomorrow evening in Dublin. But right at this point in the programme, we want to remember one of the most recognisable Sligo faces around town, around the county, and especially around the showgrounds for so, so many years, whose passing this week took many of us by surprise. Sean Dwyer of Sligo and Riverstown has died this week after a short illness. He was in his early 70s. You'll know him as a passionate Sligo Rover supporter. You'll know him from the Village Inn, from the Harp Tavern, from Conley's Bar in Markovic Road in more recent years. He was a terrific supporter of Sligo Rovers, Sligo Sport, a terrific community worker and an all-round passionate Sligo man. We want to remember him on the programme this evening. Jim Gray knew Sean for 40 years and was a good friend of his. He's been remembering Sean Dwyer this evening. One of the better-known characters throughout Sligo and and for very good reason. Uh, Sean had this, well, I won't say it was a unique capacity, but it was certainly a very endearing capacity to, to make friends very easily. He was a very open, kind, instantly likable personality. You know, and he had this gift uh, for friendship. And even people who were strangers, say, who encountered him, um, within minutes they'd be like as though they were long-lost friends and they never forgot him. Uh, people who you might not see for a number of years would meet him again, maybe in, in, in the pub or through the music or through the football. And they'd instantly remember, oh, that's Sean. And, and they'd, they'd reconnect as if they'd never been apart. And, you know, he had this huge impact on everybody he met. And we all felt so privileged to, to be part of that uh, terrific, terrific personality. You mentioned a couple of his passions there. Music was certainly one, but sport was certainly another. Sligo Rovers in particular, um, he, he, I'd say he had an almost evangelical uh, zeal for spreading the gospel of the Rovers, like wherever he went or wherever he met. I know, I know when he was working, say, in some of the pubs in, in, in Connolly's or the Harp or that, and strangers would come in who maybe had never been in Sligo before, and before they left the pub, they'd be committed Sligo Rovers fans. Uh, he'd have talked them into it, and he'd have told them all about the club and about his passion. And this was the thing, you know, his passion was so infectious that you know, they'd often leave with a match programme or a scarf or something belonging to Sligo Rovers. And I'd say they'd come back years later then and remember him and pick up pick up on that. So he had, as I said, this need for spreading the gospel of the Rovers. But in a more practical sense, he served as a member of the, the committee uh, in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, I'd say. He was treasurer for a number of years. Um, he would have worked alongside people such as Tony McGee and Johnny Tata, Aidan Mannion, John Snee. Uh, the McCullough brothers, uh, Eddie and Dermot, at a time when the club was literally surviving from week to week. Uh, And I know it's not easy now, but things are much more professional both on and off the pitch. In those days, and I remember them well from covering them in the Champions, like it literally was a week-to-week survival. And it's a measure of Sean and all the other people who work in those days that the club is in such a healthy position as it now is. So, like, his contribution to Rovers, both as a committee member, as a fan, uh, it, it, it could never be underestimated. 
Uh, and then as a fan, of course, he would have travelled. I'd say he was in every League of Ireland grounds in the country following Rovers. Um, he went all over Europe following Rovers. Uh, that was his big passion. Uh, but uh, as we said, you know, he was involved in so many other things. He was a great community man as well. But he, he And he had an encyclopedic knowledge of sport as well. Uh, like most of us who think we know something about football, we chat about the Premier League teams or the international teams. But Sean, it, it, it dazzles you with his knowledge about you, Newport County or Accrington Stanley, you know. But he had that kind of in-depth passion. And the smaller stuff was the better stuff for him. You know, he, he had this local connection with Rovers and with Sligo. He loved everything to do with Sligo. Uh, and he kind of transferred that then into his knowledge and his love of smaller clubs throughout the world. He, he, he great, great guy to sit down and have a chat with. I'm just remembering as a young fella, Jim, when I was in Summerhill College in the days, I can remember Sligo Rovers being bottom of the first division, the old first division in the days of EMFA back in the day. And there might only be a yeah. few hundred people in the ground on a Sunday afternoon, but, but rain, hail or shine, however Rovers are doing, Sean Dwyer was likely to be one of the that few hundred who would That's be there. Exactly. That generation and, and indeed generations before them who kept the shoulders of the wheel, you know, who kept the club alive through, through really tough times. And they were tough times, as you so rightly say often. And it was people like Sean Dwyer and some of the other people I mentioned who, who kept the ship afloat. And in latter years, he may not have been involved in the engine room, let's say, but he was still certainly doing his bit. He, he'd, be, he'd be selling the, the, the lotto tickets on a weekly basis, the annual draw tickets. He, he'd be organising quizzes to raise money. He was always always Rovers at heart. Um, so many other things in his life as well that it, it almost would be wrong to sort of categorise him just, or, or even to put him in the context of just a soccer fan. There's so much more to Sean. But a lot of people will certainly know him through his great work with Rovers and his love of Rovers. He was also, as far as I know, a, um, a founder member, or certainly a very early member of the Carton United Club, which is run so successfully now. But back in the very early days, Sean would have been an important man there. Uh, and even up until recently, you'd see him at junior soccer football matches. You know, it wasn't just the big days that brought him out. He, he as I said earlier, he had this great affinity with grassroots football. And, you know, just touching on his music for a moment, while he was a performer, Jim, you know, and he was a very capable and talented musician, it seems he was the sort of guy who was happier being behind the scenes and doing things to help out, whether it was community-based or sport-based or music-based, quietly yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, he was a great community man. I'll I, I talk to you about as, as much as I know about his music ability as well, but he was a great community man. He was very much an active member of the Residents Association in, in Cartran. Um, he was involved in the Tidy Towns, Sligo Live, and the Vintners Association. He worked as a volunteer in the hospice shop. And I know from my own experience that even little everyday things that he did very quietly, and nobody would know about them, only the people he helped. Uh, so, yeah, terrific. And his music, people remember that too? Yeah, the Key Street Band. People remember the Key Street Band. Um, and indeed, even before that, I remember him years ago, he brought out his own CD of folk music and uh, it was a terrific terrific piece of work but in more recent years yeah he played with uh, Fluky Fluky Gorman and Aidan and Martin in the Key Street Band and uh, they would play in the harp or 
Kennedys and weddings and functions indeed. A lot of my own uh, family landmarks, Sean would have been the, the entertainer. Uh, so he had a great outgoing personality. As you say, he, he was quiet uh, in his own way, but he, he certainly got a lot of work done and he would always lend a helping hand whenever and wherever it was needed. And last but not least, people will remember him too for serving us a drink or a pint, whether it was the Village Inn, the Harp Tavern, or more re- in more recent years, Conley's Bar. And he seemed to have an yeah. unfailing ability to be one of the most the most polite barmen around, you know, even in helter-skelter yeah. occasions. Yeah. yeah, he never lost the cool, right enough. Uh, but that's, but that, that, was, that was, goes back, Austin, to what I was saying earlier about this capacity he had to, to, to be friendly and open and kind. As I say, those of us who knew him were privileged to have known him, but even strangers or people who would meet him only now and again, they'd always remember him because he had this huge welcoming smile. He had the banter and the chat for everybody. He could chat about anything, you know, sport, music, politics, local, whatever was going on. And and people, he had this attraction. It's hard to pin it down what it was, but people were drawn to him. Uh, and that, of course, is why so many people are so, so saddened by his sudden death. That's, you know, that's a mark of the man as well. Um, he 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 left an impact on everyone he met uh, often, and, and he'd be very sorely missed, but absolutely never forgotten. And that's for sure. Jim Gray on the late Sean Dwyer of Sligo and Sligo Rovers fame, who has died this week after a short illness. A native of Riverstown, Sligo to the core, and we are thinking of his family, connections and friends. There are a lot of them tonight. We're back in a few moments. And still to come, we'll have an interview with Sligo's latest President's Award recipient in Gaelic Games. She'll receive her gong in Dublin tonight, tomorrow night at a special televised ceremony in the capital on TG Cahar. We'll talk Tyrone against Donegal this weekend in the Allianz Football League Division 1 with the Donegal GA podcast team led this week by Conor Breslin. That's coming up shortly as well. But in school soccer, St. Attractors of Tubbacurry uh, will play Donegal neighbours Skullwira of Bunkrana in their All-Ireland Senior Girls Soccer Final later this month. Bunkrana today beat Kaloshta Pubble Skull Ross Cray from Tipperary by one goal to nil in their semi-final which was played at ATU in Sligo. And the winner came thanks to a free kick struck from the edge of the centre circle by one of Sligo Rovers' new recruits this week, Jody Lockery. I don't know how that went in, but <laughs> we'll take what we get. <laughs> it was on the edge of the centre circle, I think. Yeah, it was, I. but a goal's a goal. We'll take it. That was a tough encounter, yeah. Kerry. You had to battle right to the end there. Ross Gray threw everything at you. I know, we got lucky enough, so we did just, just about to scrape through, so happy days, though. <laughs> what is it about this squad we're a team? You seem to have great heart and belief in yourselves. I, I don't know. Everyone just loves it. Um, we have loads of support, like, all the time, and all managers and coaches and everything in the school like support us big time and, and there was a collective gasp when you went down injured there near the end but you're okay again aye grand aye. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now girls in All-Ireland final against one of your rivals St. Attractors of Sligo yeah aye, we played them in semi-final and we just about oh, last year but we just about scraped through that but it's going to be a tight match again this year so yeah. we'll just need everything <laughs> you won the under 17 All-Ireland last year is it nice to be back in another national decider ah you're right one of the best feelings you ever have like is winning something with your school like all your friends and all will be there 
And this has been a very special week for the two of you because you're now Sligo Rovers players. You've had quite the seven days. I know, it's been good. It's exciting. Loads of new changes, but sure, it's good. Yeah. Aye. I'm sure Emma Doherty's given you a few tips about Sligo Rovers. Are you looking forward to the next step of your careers? Aye, you're right. I can't be playing with Emma Doherty, so you can't. <laughs> so you're looking forward to the final as well? Oh, you're right. It's unreal, like getting there again. This is Skullwera Brunkrana manager, Paddy Carr. That was heart wrenching stuff in the end, but you're there. Another all Ireland final. Aye, very lucky now, very lucky to get away from here the day was a victory. But again, suppose the team has, has great character, they showed great character in the Ulster semi final and final, and they're dogged and they've a kind of solid defence there. So, lucky enough when we got the goal, we thought, right, we make it over the line. But again, all credit to, to the Ross great team, they created plenty of chances there near the end. So, Definitely where, glad to get away. Where home. does this determination and uh, character come from, do you think? Um, again, just good characters on the team and they've played together for a long time. Even going back to days of primary school, they would have played in the primary five sides with Scalise again and then there's other girls coming from other schools. Again, it kind of just highlights probably the, the talent that is in any show and it kind of goes back to the coaches at clubs not along schools that have put in the work with these girls and we're just reaping the benefits here at Skullwara at the minute and now it's a final against St Attractors of South Sligo but you'll have some Sligo help on your own touchline because you have a Sligo man on your backroom team Owen Leonard from Grange that's right no better man than Owen to have beside me again he, he's a great character himself and kind of he keeps things calm on the sideline as well for us um, and again he's a great help for us and a great asset to the school as well Good luck in the final. Thanks very much. Thank you. Well, with me now is the principal of Skullwara, Bunkrana, Rosalind Grant. I think you thought you were playing for much of that 80 minutes. Well, it was a nerve-wracking game because you scored early on with Jody's free kick and that it was, it was a tight, it was a very much, you know, a 50-50 game all the way through. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the under-17 team that won the All-Ireland last year, so it's a follow-through from that. So these girls are great, very unassuming, but very talented. You must be very proud. Oh, very proud of the school and very proud of these girls, yeah. Because it's great that girls soccer now, especially with Ireland being in the, you know, the World Cup, it's great to see girls doing so well. You know, tradition has been boys in soccer, but girls are fairly showing the way up, up with us anyway. Well, tell us a bit about your school, Skullwara Bunkrana. There seems to be a very strong soccer, Gaelic, sporting ethos there. There is. Um, any show would be very strong for soccer, always has been very strong. We've won, you know, um, numerous occasions. And like our school would have won the, um, the Donegal Sports Awards last uh, weekend because of all the sports we're doing so team sports are very strong but so are some of the individual sports like we have one of the girls in the team here today was meant to be here couldn't because she's now also training for the senior team for us sorry for Ireland rugby so she couldn't be here today so and then there's another two girls doing mocks exams couldn't so I mean it's yeah it's uh, it's all happening and I'm delighted and now you've got another All-Ireland final. Will any school work be done at all over the next two weeks? <laughs> well, uh, oh no, this, these girls work very hard. They work very hard and then they play very hard. And they have a great coach in here. We have Paddy Carr and Owen Leonard. So they were the coaches last year and it's the same coaches this year. And the girls just will do their very, very best. I think we're up against the Centre Tractors College, so they're very strong opponents. I remember the semi-final last year and it was strong. Yeah. But it's a Northwest All Ireland final, Donegal against Sligo. Yeah. So it shows the strength of women's soccer That's in this part of the yeah. country. It's a great accolade because you know today is the best of Leinster Day we were playing. So it is a great accolade for for the Northwest and for yeah for the two counties. Absolutely, you're totally congratulations right. to them. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Rosalind Grant, the principal of Skullwara Bunkrana. Before that, Paddy Carr, the team manager. And then you heard two of the Skullwara players today, the Lockery sisters, Jodie, who scored the winner today, and her sister, Kerry, who's team captain. The two of them this week signing uh, first team contracts with Sligo Rovers for the new SSE Electricity League Premier Division season. The final against St. Attractors of Tubba Curry. This is the All-Ireland Senior Schools A All-Ireland final. It will be on Wednesday afternoon, the 22nd of February at 1pm. The venue is still to be confirmed and that match will be broadcast live online by Ocean FM on oceanfm.ie. Well, back to Gaelic Games. If you're in front of the television tomorrow night at around about half past seven, TG Cahar will be televising live the 2023 GAA President's Awards Ceremony from Dublin. There are 11 awards being presented this time around by Larry McCarthy, the Uchtaron, one to a GAA family, and the other 10 to individuals for their contribution to Gaelic Games, whether it's at club, college, or county level. All the individual recipients tomorrow night for the first time will be female and among them will be the chairperson of Drumcliff Ross's Point GAA and LGFA Club in North Sligo, Mary Power. She's being honoured for her contribution to Gaelic Games in the Drumcliff and Ross's Point areas, not to mention County Sligo. Crow Park this week dubbed her the Mrs Cool Camps of Drumcliff Ross's Point, but there's more to her bow than that. She's been telling Ocean FM Sport today how she found out she was getting a President's Award. So I received a letter just before Christmas from Crook Park headquarters and I opened it and thought, oh, well, this can't be for me. They must have either the name wrong or the address wrong. So I kept it quiet until I could make contact with um, Crook Park, which took a few days to find out it actually was me. So I was utterly shocked um, as this was totally unexpected as there are lots and lots of people within our club in Drumplay Frost's Point, Sligo Connacht who would be more worthy recipients than myself but I accept it as an absolute incredible honour I suppose for myself personally for the club of Trumpcliffe, Ross's Point and Sligo and indeed Connacht. Did the letter from Crow Park explain why you were getting the award? It didn't actually, Austin. Um, other than it, the award was given to me for my role as a volunteer within the GA for many, many years. So I was still shocked as to why me. But it is an absolute privilege to be in this position. Um, I have to thank my own club, I suppose, for all the encouragement and support that I got over many, many years to carry out the roles that I have done in my own club. I suppose starting with uh, my role as a teacher in Rathcormick, which started back in the 80s, where I watched my then principal, Michael McTighe, training and coaching the young people of our area over decades. 
I then had my own two children, Ashling and Sean, and when they became involved with underage or nursery, um, as you do now for our club, Boston, and thank you for that, um, that is really where your involvement with the club starts, when your own children become involved. And I then thought, well, can I help in some little way? Because I watched all the coaches, the managers committees working so hard to develop the club and I thought right I'm going to give a hand out here and I'll do something. So I then became the school liaison officer in Rathcormick and it was I suppose through that role that I saw the importance of the link between school and club. Cool camps were up and running at that stage and our games development manager in Sligo's was and still is Liam O'Gormley so I thought well maybe I can help Liam O'G a little bit in coordinating the camps and that's where my role began with cool camps and I have to say I am so proud of the camp in Drumcliff Ross's Point we have developed it to be one of the biggest in the county and in the past year in 2022 we had 216 children at that camp Austin with a 50% male female breakdown which looks very positive for the future and this was one of the factors, one of the reasons given for, for your award, your involvement with, with the Cool Camp. You probably know every child, boy and girl, between the ages of 6 and 13, north of Mullins Motors and west, between Ross's Point and Drumcliff. So I'm wondering what you got out of that on a personal level, even after your own son and daughter had moved beyond the Cool Camp age group. I absolutely enjoyed that week in the club. It was just watching the participation of all the young people, all the children from five years of age to 12, uh, the interaction with their parents, the joy on their faces when they were leaving them and getting a few hours to themselves, and the joy on their faces when they came back and watched the fun that the children were, have, were having. The other really nice part of it all was to watch the coaches a lot of them members of our own club um, college students and uh, boys and girls who helped out as coaches with the camp and I just saw that as that was the beginning of their way of giving something back and I think that's a central role of the GAA that we are all volunteers and we all try our best to give a little back to help others and with the cool camp I saw that link between school and club again and hoping to get more of those children involved in our nursery and in our underage groups throughout the, throughout football and hurling um, it was it was a great time it was a fun time I'm still involved with that you end up um, trying to contact parents with lost property you end up having senior members of the club coming down for a cup of tea, watching watching the kids having fun. So it's that just whole involvement by the club of young and old. You, you asked earlier, why me? Why, why did you get this award? I can think of a few hundred Drumcliffe Ross's Point club members, young and old, who can quite easily answer that question for you. If you wish, what will it mean to walk up 
on Friday night live on TG Car and receive the President's Award from Larry McCarthy? Um, it really hasn't sunken in properly yet, Austin, but the honour of receiving this is tremendous. Um, first of all, for my family, for Pather, Ashling, and Sean, because of their support over the years to let me carry out the roles that I've carried out within the club. I also see it as an absolute honour for my club, Trumpcliffe Ross's Point, of which I am now chairperson. We have such a strong, vibrant club with many, many dedicated volunteers, including yourself, Austin. And I will be accepting this award on Friday night on behalf of my club that I am so proud of and that I just feel I will do whatever I can to drive our club on and to keep our young people especially involved. I mean, they start at five years of age. Your aim and your hope is that they will stay with our club until they become senior members of the club. And through our coaches and our volunteers, we can strive to do that. And let's hope we can bring some more silverware to the club during 2023. But I just want to thank everybody, particularly my own club, for their good wishes and for their support of me as chairperson of the club. And just to say thank you to all of you and Mwila Buyakas. That's Mary Power, chairperson of Drumcliffe's Point GAA Club and the President's Award Ceremony will be live on TG Cahar tomorrow evening from half past seven. I should, of course, declare an interest in that story. Mary is Cahirlock of my home club, so you'll appreciate I had to give her a mention on the radio to avoid getting a reprimand in the minutes of the next monthly club meeting. We've got three more Allianz Football League commentaries for you this coming Sunday on Ocean FM. From one o'clock we'll be live from Royslip for full match commentary on the Division 4 game between London and Leitrim. Then from two we're in Ockram to see Sligo and how they get on against Wicklow. On the sideline, remember, you've got Armaz Oshi McConville against Armaz Tony McEntee, All-Ireland teammates in 2002. And at the same time on 105 FM, Tyrone against Donegal will be live from Oma. Let's tee up that game for you right now with the Donegal GA podcast team. Conor Breslin's guest this week are Peter Campbell of the Donegal Democrat and Michael McMullen of Gaelic Life. Whenever anybody mentions Tyrone, the first thing you think about, you know, in the here and now is that they were all Ireland champions a couple of years ago and then that common trait where they never seem to defend it very well. And as as somebody from outside Tyrone, like, if you've got beaten quite convincingly by Derry and then quite convincingly by Armagh to shorten your season, like, Motivation and even with yourself, the the the, the hung, you know, the, the wounded animal. The next year, you think that there should be absolutely no problem getting motivated for it. Um, so you automatically thought there was going to be a kickback. Like the night they drew with Derry in the McKenna Cup. Now it was only the McKenna Cup, but Tyrone were streets ahead at half time, and as much as they were outplayed for much of the second half. They had two chances to put Derry out of sight. And if they had took either of them, the game was over. And Derry wouldn't have been nowhere near the final. Obviously, they, they would have been gone. 
And I just remember seeing the throne players walking down the tunnel and all they got like and just the looks in their faces were like gobsmacked that they had missed the chance to kill off that game. And then the, the, the mechanical final was just, you know, it was it was very, very convincing for Derry, to be fair. But I think you have to, you know, I, I'm always loath to talk about poor performances. Sometimes you always have to talk about the other team. I mean, well, they've played Derry Rex on that night. So it's, it, it, it is a worry, but it's a wee bit like the Kerry thing. It's a wee bit like the Donegal thing. It's only one game. Like we've played four games, but only one of them has been in the league, you know, you know that's that's the bottom line. There's only two points have gone at this stage, and uh, I think this weekend probably is the big game of the of the league because of obviously if you're going into the break and you have no points, then you maybe panic a wee bit more. But I think maybe the worry too, lads, with with Trona is like as as we spoke a wee while ago about Donegal. You know, you're you're chatting into the time you had in Oshin Gallon and. And 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 uh, Niall O'Donnell or whatever, Pat Morgan, you're maybe into seven or eight players. Raz with Throne, Liam Rafferty, Ronan McNamee. That's really all they really have that haven't played so far. Like Ben McDonald's in Australia, Rory Brennan, Rory Brennan has left the panel, I believe. Conor McKenna's away. So they haven't that much more to, to give in terms of personnel. So that maybe is a concern, but Maybe when you concede six goals over two games, it's a perfect chance to take out the the video, the videos and the and 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 the analysis and go to town on why those goals are conceded, and think to yourself, right, Donegal's coming on Sunday. Let's really hone in on this, and it's to sort of add to that that angle that I'm talking about. Derry scored five goals against Clare. And Kieran Malloy said in an interview, I can't remember who it was with, to be honest. I like credit who it was. I can't remember what podcast it was, but he said that uh, they studied every one of those goals in detail because of the simple fact Derry scored five goals in their last game. And they were able to shut Derry down because they had went to town. So maybe, maybe that's where Trone's advantage will be coming into Sunday, that they will have forensically dissected the last two games to immense their lives and that gives them the chance to find out well here's exactly what we need to do and come Sunday evening they have zero points then the worry starts but for now they've got a chance to, to dig it out Absolutely Peter you've been at enough Donegal throwing games down through the years and there's no love lost there but as Michael touched on it there I mean six goals in two games very on Tyrone like so it is. I think really the the question mark over Tyrone is how can they redeem themselves from an awful 2022 campaign? And then look, we know it's only one game uh, against Ross Common, but you know six goals in two in two games is is serious. And a lot of people are now looking at Tyrone and saying, well, you know how much can we read into that 2021 season? There was a lot of there was a lot of narratives around it, and maybe they are just a mid-card team. Uh, I wouldn't think so. I think they're still one of the, the top teams. I think this this might only be in a. Uh, I think it's only a temporary blip because they they, they have they have plenty of talent there. Um, maybe maybe they've gone a little stale over prior to Christmas and 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 during the Doctor McKenna Cup. But uh, as Michael said, there 
like they were they were only maybe a kick of the ball away from knocking Derry out of the Dr. McKenna Cup up in own bag and like they were only a kick of the ball of knocking Tyrone out of that game last week when they were a goal up and, and botched another goal opportunity yeah. which would have put them two up and Roscommon went up the field and got their first goal, got their second goal instead and were back in the match. So, you know, small margins. Um, obviously, they, they didn't finish well. And as Michael says, have to conceded three goals in uh, in consecutive matches. That's something that uh, they'll hone in on uh, during the week. And um, you wouldn't expect them to be uh, letting three goals in against Donegal. At, um, that would be... Um, Bonus territory for Donegal if they got three goals uh, this Sunday. Like the Donegal were able to beat Kerry without scoring a goal. Um, Thirteen points is a, a good enough return for a, a new look team, and twelve of those points from play, which you know would be encouraging for any team. And Sean Patton nailed a forty-five. Um, I I don't I'm not sure he may have scored one more, but he's missed a, a, an awful lot of the, the the place ball efforts that he he had over the last number of years, and he's such a good kicker of a dead ball. You know he could become an asset because Michael Murphy was actually taking those forty fives, so uh, Sean Patton will be the man to step up now, and if he, he could match. Uh, the Tyrone keeper and the Monaghan keeper's efforts, you know, um, if you if you was able to, to contribute one or two or three points a match, wouldn't that be a, a brilliant addition to Donegal as well? But uh, going getting back to Tyrone, um, the Tyrone-Donegal rivalry has probably been the biggest of any counties over the last uh, about 15, 20 years. Just saw on the program last week where um, um, Neil McGee, actually in his 194 games for Donegal, he played 26 times against Tyrone, <laughs> and I'd say Crazy. he enjoyed every one of them. And uh, you would have loved to have Neil McGee with you going to Healy Park in Oma um, on Sunday next. He seemed to thrive on on games against Tyrone. Um, maybe maybe he should be brought into. The final training squad uh, session for Donegal, maybe um, <laughs> on on b- before they before they head off to Oma, he would give them a few tips on how to play against against her own. But you know, Donegal will go and um, Paddy Carr told me that what they want to do is they, they want to replicate what they did in the second half against Kerry. Um, if they're able to do that, he says. Um, the result will look after itself. He won't be worried about the result. He wants to get them to to perform like they did in the second half. And uh, if they do that, and they can do that for a full game, like he'd be happy regardless of the result. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a refreshing way of, of going. And it's about having two points in the bag. Takes a pre- little bit of pressure off Donegal and they can go and express themselves. And that's what you'd hope they would do on Sunday. Final point on Tyrone, and then I'll get your predictions because I know you both have to go, lads. Um, I suppose the thing about Tyrone, which I look at, is that they do have great players. As Peter, you said, they're, they're probably going through just a, a bit of a stale patch at the moment. But they have fantastic players, especially in that full forward line. But it seems from the way that Tyrone play in their defensive shape, they're methodical over and back and trying to break lines by running and not kicking the ball into players like Derek Hanavan and lads like that. They don't get the best out of their key inside forwards. So they don't. And if you were a full back like Brendan McCall or, or Keelan Ward 
ideally, probably the best game you'd you'd want to play is against Tyrone, the Tyrone Fords, because you know the ball isn't going to come in that often to you. So you know you're not you're not hoping for these long balls to come in. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I suppose Tyrone do play a, a lateral type of game, but they, they like to break quick as well. And I suppose it'll be interesting to see how Donegal set up. Um, you would hope that, you know, Donegal would be progressive in the fact that, you know, maybe a wee bit ambitious um, in, in taking them on. Um, whether um, whether they can withstand, this, I think there's going to be a Tyrone backlash. Um, if they can, if they can keep them at bay for 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 the first half, I think they can have a real go at them. But as I said, uh, as Paddy Carr said, and I'd I'd be of the same opinion. If if I could see Donegal playing with that sort of a freshness and enthusiasm and spirit that they had in the second half, when when they they won ball back and they and they attacked it at pace, if they if they keep doing that. If they come out of Haiti Park with a draw, I'd be very, very happy. But I'd be more happy if I can see them playing the way they played in the second half last week because they need that progression going forward and, and those young players will improve all the time. And, you know, they have a break down to Monaghan uh, in two weeks' time. And by that stage, they'll probably have some of their uh, players that are, are um, rehabbing. Some of them will probably be available again. And they'll only get stronger and stronger after that. Absolutely. Michael, final point. We'll start with you. Who's going to win on Sunday? Um, tough game. Important game. Uh, if you look at Donegal's scoring, they've scored 13 points, they've scored 2-7, and they've scored 110, which isn't a massive scoring, um, you know, across their three games. Uh, Tyrone, obviously, I think Peter nailed it there as well. They were very close to one in their common game. You know, maybe... You know, maybe one one play away from from putting them away. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out. I, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't rule them out on the game itself. Uh, I can't see it being very high scoring. Uh, wouldn't rule out a draw. Definitely wouldn't rule out a draw. And I can't see I can't see Tron losing it. Um. So they'll, they'll either sneak it or a draw for me. Um, and it's just maybe in, it's maybe in the strength. I maybe just buy into the fact of it's not all doom and gloom with Tyrone. And I think if if this is if's a big word, if they can hone in on those goal chances and stamp those ones out, it'll, it'll be a battle, and they might just get a draw out of it. Okay, very interesting. Peter, our Donegal, can they kick on from their victory over Kerry? Are we still taking on the world and going to win the? Lee Ulster and All Ireland. What's your predictions for Sunday? Uh, after one game, you know they're on a high at the moment, uh, and they're in a good place to go to go to Tyrone. Um, I'd be very much thinking along the same lines as Michael in the fact that, that I think Tyrone will be difficult um, to beat on Sunday. Um, I'd be happy, very happy, if if, if Donegal can play with that. Bit of freshness, that bit of uh, attack. Not afraid to have a go when they get uh, within range. And if if I come away with a point from Haiti Park, I'd be very very happy. And I think I think Donegal would be as well. All of Donegal would be. 
Uh, final thing, Peter, what, what do we know up in Donegal? Um, we know Patter Mogan's coming back. Any other news on the front? Is there word that Ryan McHugh might be out for a longer period of time? Where are we on the player front? We don't know as such. Um, we haven't got an update in uh, the player, the, the, the injuries. I'm told that a, that a number of them will be back on the pitch doing serious training after this weekend. Um, and you would hope that you would have maybe two or three more back for the Monaghan game. Um, th- that's the position at the moment. There's, there's no um, individual um, um, information coming out. Um, and I think that's I think that's par for the course with a lot of counties now with um, GDPR and everything. Uh, they don't want to. Um, players obviously are individuals and they don't want their medical information maybe out in the public eye. Um, so I suppose we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But um, I think for, for, for this weekend, in a way, it'll probably be the same panel as was in uh, Balbuffet on Sunday. So, But after that, uh, Paddy Carr said he would be hopeful of having a few more bodies back uh, and available for selection. Peter Campbell of the Donegal Democrat, Michael McMullen of Gaelic Life and host Conor Breslin on the latest edition of the Donegal GAA podcast, which will be online for you in the next hour, as will the podcast of this programme you've just heard. You'll find them on oceanfm.ie or wherever you get your pods, search for Ocean FM Ireland. We're back next week, same time, same place.